0: Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Please, please, please sit, sit, sit. Thank you. It's good to be home and uh, glad to be back with you. I've missed you, and um, I am so excited today. I didn't realize how much I've missed you until I started worshiping today uh, in our worship service. There's no place like Mount Paran North, and uh, Love you guys and thank you so much for all of your support over this last year plus and especially over these last few weeks. Um, I don't have the words to say thank you and I don't have the uh, emotional capacity to say thank you the way I'd like to, but just know that Lauren, Bradley, and I love you dearly and thank you so much. And um, I've been so excited about being able to be back with you today and uh, to get to share God's word with you once again. So if you've got your Bibles, let's take them out, okay? Let's look at the book of John, starting in verse uh, chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 31 through 36. I also want to let you know that um, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start a brand new series called Sheepish. And um, I'm going to look at the disconnect between the way we talk about followers of Christ and people acting like sheep and the way Jesus talked about it. It's, it's amazing to me that he talks about us being sheep and he being a shepherd more than anything else in the way that we follow him. And so what does he mean when all of that? And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll start that in a couple of weeks. Next week, I want to talk to you about something that um, I just want to speak to you as a pastor. Um, my situation and your situation has brought to light a lot of probably questions in your life. And the questions about your theology, questions about your faith. And I want to talk to you next week about what is a complete faith? What does a wholeness of faith look like that's not just conditioned upon this portion of Scripture or this portion of Scripture? What does faith look like? look like in our lives, in the totality of our lives, and how does God receive glory in everything that happens in our lives and through our lives. And so that, that'll be next week, and so I hope you'll be here and be a part of that. Today, I want to talk to you about something that Jesus offers to every single one of us, and that is the gift of peace, the gift of peace. In John chapter 13, Jesus is on A Thursday night, this is the night before he is going to be betrayed, the night before he is going to be crucified. He is talking with his disciples and he gives them some news that they do not want to hear. News that's going to change everything around them and everything about them and news that they don't want. And he doesn't tell them I'm going to take the the circumstances away. He says, no, I'm just going to tell you right up front, it's going to get bad. But I'm going to give you something that you need if you'll receive it. If you'll have it, I'll give you something that'll help see you through. John chapter 13, verse 31, it says, as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the son, he will give his own glory to the son and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. In verse 17, he literally goes on and says, um, excuse me, verse uh, 37, he goes on and Simon Peter says, but why can't I go? Like, why? Why? What's the reason? I know where you're going. I mean, you say you're going and you say I can't go. Why? And in chapter 14, Jesus says this, starting in verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then I want you to skip with me to verses 26 and 27. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving with you a gift. Can everybody just say a gift? I'm leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the gift that Jesus is offering, the gift of peace. Let's pray. Father, In these next few moments, I pray that you would open up your word. I want to thank you right now for the privilege that I have of not just opening your word here, but worshiping with this wonderful group of believers that I call home. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for their worship. I thank you for their passion. I thank you for their prayer. I thank you for their faith. And I thank you for their trust in you, that your goodness surpasses all our circumstances. I pray that in these next few moments, as you open up the word, Lord, I pray that you would speak deeply to our hearts. I know what the words you've given me to say as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the first question that comes to mind when I talk about peace is, why is peace so elusive? Why does it seem that All the peace that we look for, the world is just seemingly crashing in. There just seems to be anxiety floating around, worry and fear. Circumstances seem to be out of our control in the world, in our own personal lives sometimes. And what we want more than anything is to get control of things and have things go in the way that we want them. Amen? That's what we want. And yet so many things are outside of our control. Why does peace seem so elusive? Why is it that in the Old Testament, one of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom? The Lord is our peace, and yet the world is filled with anxiety. Why is it that Isaiah in the Old Testament said that Jesus, who would be the Messiah, is going to come, and he would be known as the Prince of Peace? And yet worry fills our minds, sometimes, constantly. How do the people of God access the peace of God that he offers to us in John chapter 14? There's a couple of things I want you to notice, and that is, first of all, as he's speaking to his disciples, he has just devastated them with news. Here's what he's told them. They've been with him for three and a half years. They believed in him as the Messiah. They mistook what he would do. They thought he was going to establish his kingdom right then, right there. But Jesus has told them he's going to die at the hands of sinners. And they don't like that. He's told them he's going away and they're not going to physically see him for a long time. He's told them that people are going to hate them and persecute them because they believe in Jesus. He's told them some of them are actually going to die for their belief that Jesus is the Messiah. Those are not easy things that he has said. Those are, that's not easy news to accept. But at the same time, Jesus promises them peace. He doesn't say at this moment in time, if you'll pray about it, some of these things will change. Now, prayer changes things. But sometimes when the will of God is moving in a direction that is not to be changed and not to be thwarted like the, 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 the death and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, no matter how much you pray, it's not going to change it because there's a purpose for it. He says, in those moments when prayer will not change the circumstances because God has determined that those circumstances will bring him glory and accomplish his will, what I will give you is peace. And then he gives us two important truths about peace. In verse 26, he tells us that peace is found through the Holy Spirit. Peace is found Through the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate, who is my representative, so the advocate, the one who is standing up for you, the one who is talking to God on your behalf, and he's representing me when I'm gone, he says, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Two things he says he will do. And look at the context of it. He's not talking about, he's giving him devastating news here. He's saying, all of these things are going to happen to you, but I'm going to give you peace. And he says he's going to teach you. See, the Holy Spirit will teach us how to face problems. You see, in this context, he's not talking about teaching us doctrine. He's not talking about teaching us theology. He's saying, I'm going to give you peace, and the Holy Spirit is going to give you that peace and teach you how to face these difficult circumstances that are coming your way. So it'll teach us how to face problems. But the second thing it will do, it'll remind us of God's promises and his power. So he'll teach us how to face problems and remind us of God's promises and his power. Because what is happening at this moment is people are asking, why is this happening? Your disciples, why is this happening? And what am I going to do? And Jesus said, I'm sending you peace in the person of the Holy Spirit who will be with you to guard you in the questions that you have and to guide you in the steps you're supposed to take during these moments. So the first important truth is peace, God's peace is found through the Holy Spirit. The second one is this, is that God's peace is different than worldly peace. Peace as the world defines it is the absence of war, the absence of strife, in the absence of problems, that's how the world defines it. That's how, when you talk about peace, when people talk about peace in this world, they're not talking about some settledness deep down inside them. They're talking about no more wars, no more strife, no more anxiety, none no of those things, no more conflict. But peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of God in the midst of the problems. That's biblical peace. As a matter of fact, in verse 27, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. But then there's a conflicting, seemingly conflicting verse. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says, Don't imagine that I, have, that I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. So my peace I give to you, my peace I live with you, leave with you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. But then he also says, "I didn't come to bring peace to this world; it's actually going to cause division." So here's here's the thing: the Prince of Peace, in this place right here, right now, the same peace that can settle in your heart—the fact that He's the Son of God the risen Savior, the soon-coming King that settles in my heart that everything's going to be okay because God's in control of all of these things. That same thing that, de- that describes him will bring division in this world. You see, Jesus divides the world, but he brings pre- peace to us as believers. So, there are two types of peace that the Bible talks about that Jesus specifically mentions in scripture. God's peace is both external and internal, external and internal. Let me give you an example of the external peace. The disciples have um, trusted Jesus and they've gotten into a boat and they're on a boat. They're on the Sea of Galilee. It's a large sea in Galilee and and. Um, in this area, there are storms that can come up in the middle of the night. You fish at night. So they're traveling at night, and it's late in the evening, and the Bible says that there is a storm. But when the Bible says there's a storm, the word that it uses there is only used in this place and it, in every other place in the literature. It literally means like a, a, a tornadic event, an earthquake, um, a, a, a hurricane style. This, this is, it causes the disciples who are fishermen, who see weather all the time, they're so scared they're fearful for their lives. So they look for Jesus to ask him to help and Jesus is below deck, he's asleep and they go to Jesus and they say, do you not care that we're all about to die? The weather's so severe, they think it's gonna take their lives and then Jesus, the Bible says in Mark chapter four, verse 39, that Jesus awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And the reaction of the disciples was, who is this that speaks and the winds and the waves obey? Interesting thing about that word peace, it doesn't mean settledness inside. That word that is translated peace literally means quiet, silence. He stands up and speaks to creation quiet, silence, stand down. And it's the truth that Jesus Christ can speak peace to any storm that you ever face that there is no storm that you will ever face, that he doesn't have the power and the authority to literally say, quiet, silent, stand down, and it has to obey. But it begs the question, if he can do that to every external circumstance, why doesn't he do that to every external circumstance? If Jesus has the power to do the miraculous, why doesn't he do the miraculous every time that we ask? If he has the power to heal, why doesn't he heal every time that we ask? Because every miracle, every healing, every power of God that is displayed in Scripture and even today is for a purpose. And it is for God's glory to be seen on this earth. See, we can make the mistake of thinking that this book is all about us. And I've heard it said before this is God's love letter to us. Well, okay, it's it's sweet. This is the revelation of the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving And the one who is in control, God, who spoke this world into existence and has all power and authority, it's him revealing himself to us so that we can know who he is and we can know what he's done for us so that we can have a relationship that he wants with us that we don't deserve. I'm going to help you, okay? But I need some of you to understand something. You're not the center of this story. He is. And when God intervenes and works a miracle and changes your circumstances, when God heals you, when he restores your family, when he does all of these things and he provides miracles, financial miracles, can I tell you something? You benefit, but it's so he can receive glory. And if you don't understand that, you're going to live a whole life that is disappointed continually because you think God's not doing what he's supposed to do. You know, in Scripture, there are times when the Bible says, and they brought, and Jesus, they brought the sick and the infirm to Jesus, and every one of them they brought to him, he healed. There are those moments. But then there are moments by the pool of Bethesda where it is filled with sick people waiting to get into waters that they think will heal them, and Jesus walks through, and he picks one person out, a person that has been Lame for 38 years, and he heals that one person and moves on. He is in a graveyard, and his friend Lazarus has been dead for four days. Graveyard is filled with dead bodies, and yet he speaks one name and calls one name back because it's for his glory. And I need you to understand something. No matter how difficult the circumstance you may face or the storm you may be weathering, God's glory will be seen. But you have to trust him. And sometimes God speaks peace to your circumstances. Sometimes he says, quiet, be still and stand down. But there is a peace that is available all the time. And that's the internal peace that he offers. In John chapter 20, his same disciples, four days later, three or four days later, on a Sunday, the Thursday night, he tells them all this is going to happen. And he says, I'm going to leave you my peace. He is arrested. He is crucified. He is buried in a tomb. He rises to new life on Sunday morning. On Sunday night, the Bible says, His disciples, who have, some of them have already encountered him. His disciples are locked in a room because they're fearful of the Roman and the Jewish leaders. Even though their Lord is risen, they're still filled with fear. And the Bible captures this moment in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them, Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy as they saw the Lord. And again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He breathed on them, and notice what he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Before it all happens, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give you peace when he walks through that door, a locked door because they're filled with fear, he says, peace be with you. Receive. See, the thing about a gift is, it's only a gift if you take it. If you don't receive a gift, it's simply an offer. The same disciples who breathe these words, who is this, who speaks and the winds and the waves obey, are speaking into their hearts now saying, who is this who walks through the barricade of my fear and my worst moments and speaks peace to my heart? Can we just be honest this morning? Can we talk for a second? So many people say they want peace when what they really want is quiet. What they want is for their circumstances to go away. And they're praying and acting like they want something internal, but really what they're asking God is just to calm everything outside of that. We tend to pray for God's power more than we do for God's peace because we fail to see the power that is available in God's peace. You see, storms and circumstances will affect your life. They will bring things into your life that you do not want, that you did not plan for, and that you do not like. Okay, we don't have to act like you like those things, okay? With storms and circumstances, they can take your money and your possessions, but they cannot take your contentment. They can throw a wrench into your life plans, but they cannot change your destiny. They can take your health, but they cannot take your joy. And what I must remember is storms and circumstances are temporary, but my peace, my joy, and my hope, those are all eternal because of the grace that is given to me through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And those are eternal. That's the deep down settledness that God wants to give to you and to me. I know you want your circumstances to change. I want your circumstances to change. I pray that God stands up on the boat of your life and speaks quiet and silence to every circumstances. But if he does not, I pray that you receive the gift that he's offering to you. And that's the settledness in your heart that he is in control. See, when God silences the storms, he shows you his power. But when he steals your heart, he shows you his love. I think one of the amazing things is that when he speaks peace to the wind and the waves, they immediately respond. Why? Why? Was because creation doesn't have a choice. Creation is conditioned to listen to the voice of God. It is conditioned to receive the peace that he commands over them. But we, we have a free will. We have a choice that we can receive the gift that he offers to us or we can struggle on our own. If creation is conditioned to receive his peace, and we have a choice, how do I condition my heart to receive his peace that he offers to me continually? Let me give you three things. Three truths about God that you need to continually remind yourself of. The first one is this, is that he is with me. He is with me. He is with you. Every circumstance you face, he is with you. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid because what can mere mortals do to me? Romans chapter 8 verse 39 says, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 23 and 23 says, the faithful, faithful, faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. Each morning, so I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Can I just tell you something every day of your life when you are struggling and facing a battle, if you'll start your day and remember, God is with me. It'll begin to change things in your life. He is with me, but he is for me as well. He's not just with me. He's not just an ever-present help. In times of trouble, he is for me, fighting for me." Romans 8:31 says, "If God is for us, no one can stand against us." And then reminds us once again, "And God is with us." The scripture goes on to say in Hebrews chapter four verse 16, "Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need, you have to remember that he is with me. He is for me. But thirdly, that he is enough. That he is enough. There are times you're gonna face things in your life you don't know what you need. You don't know what to ask for. But deep down, there's a settledness to know. That whatever I need, he's enough. Here's what scripture says. Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Paul, a man who has suffered as much or more than anyone else in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says, and God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now, what I share with you, I need you to understand something. I'm not making light of your circumstances. As a matter of fact, something that I have learned over these last few months is there's a scripture that Paul writes and he says that about our light and momentary trials pale in comparison to the glory that awaits us. And that's true but I think I got that scripture wrong. I used to think that that scripture means that when I concentrate and put my eyes on glory and all the things that God has in store for me, it'll reduce the problems or reduce the pain that I have right now. I don't think that's it at all. Paul's not saying that to make light of your circumstances. He's not saying that thinking that that in and of itself is going to reduce the pain that you feel in the circumstances of your life. What he's saying is this, your pain is real. Your storm is real that problem you face is real and the feelings that you feel are real and for some of you they are awful and they are horrible I'm so sorry you're having to face those things right now and it's not diminishing that what he's saying is one of these days you have a picture right now of what you think glory is going to be like but one of these days as bad and as awful as this seems right now you're going to arrive here and you're going to look back and you're going to say wow that now seems light and temporary because now I have embellished in a glory that I cannot comprehend. You see, he's not making light of circumstances now. He's trying to point you that the reward that waits you is greater than you can ever imagine. And one of these days you will look back and say, the pure hell that I went through, now I see it's worth it all because now I'm with him but you can't see that now. And when the winds and the waves are just blowing in front of you and you can't see. The other day I was driving through a pretty massive rainstorm and my car has um, um, the automatic detection or whatever that's in front of you. You know, if there's a car in front of you, warning, it'll even, I think it breaks if you get too close or whatever but it's got this warning system on it or whatever, and especially if you have cruise control on, it'll keep you from getting too close. But there are times when the rain gets so severe that there's a warning that comes up and says, radar has been disabled. The rain's so thick, the storm's so bad, that this technology doesn't work anymore. We can't see past it. And there are times that you think you cannot see past the pain and the circumstances that you are facing in your life. But I can tell you this. When you ask for peace, God will either calm the storm or he will calm your heart. That's a promise. It's a promise that he makes us. A few years ago, there was a museum that they, they got two different painters and they challenged them and said, there's a reward, $250,000 reward. And we want you to paint what you see as peace. And so the first artist painted beautiful picture. There's a lake, it's serene, it's calm. There's no wind anywhere. There, it's a sunset that's happening and the sun is just glistening off of the lake. The trees are just towering over it. It's beautiful everywhere. And there's even a little girl that's walking with a little puppy beside her and a nice yellow balloon. It's the most peaceful-looking, serene-looking scene you could ever imagine. The other painter painted a starkly different painting. Black in the skies, zigzagged with lightning. It was water in this one, but the water was so massive in the rainstorm It is careening over the cliffs. The trees are bowing over because of the wind. It doesn't look anything like it, almost nightmarish. It's this. That doesn't look like peace, does it? Until you zoom in to one little place. In the midst of all of that, there's a little bird in the cleft of the rock, in its nest, sleeping during the worst storm. If you want a picture of what peace is like, that's peace. A settledness that allows you to relax and trust in the midst of the worst storms of your life. Sometimes Jesus will quiet the storms, but all the time he's offering peace that passes all human understanding for your heart and your mind. Because when peace seems beyond my imagination, it is not beyond God's reach. And can I tell you something? The depth of my peace is in proportion to the depth of my trust in him. I need you to hear me. I don't make light of your circumstances, but I'm challenging you this morning. Trust him, condition your heart to receive a gift that he's offering to you. It won't eliminate your pain right away. It won't eliminate your suffering, but what it will do will allow you to lie your head down at night and sleep and trust that God is in complete control of your life. That's the gift that he offers, but it's only a gift if you receive it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? The ultimate peace Jesus offers us starts first with the peace that is made with God. And if you were here this morning and you came into this place or you started watching online and you know things aren't right between you and the Lord, I wanna invite you to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for what you did for me by dying on a cross and offering me forgiveness from my past, from my sins, but also offering me a reconciled life that is at peace with God, my maker. I accept that now and ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be the Lord and leader of my life and I surrender now in obedience to your word and to your spirit. And I ask that you give me the abundant life that you promise right here, right now and the eternal life that I will inherit. And I will never be the same. I'm just gonna ask everyone in the room to pray this prayer profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, your heads bowed and your eyes closed? If that's you, you know when you came in here, things weren't right between you and the Lord. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. I'm going to challenge you. If you're going to accept him today as Lord and leader of your life for the first time or the first time in a long time, if that's you, just raise your hand really high just for a moment so I can pray for you this week. Yeah, just leave them up. Amen. God bless you. You're not alone. Amen. 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 All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you for changed lives, for redeemed lives, hope that has been renewed. And Lord, at this moment, right now, I'm asking you in these next few months to prepare our hearts to receive peace. There's some in this room that they've been struggling with the circumstances they've been facing. Maybe just this week they got bad news. Or maybe it's chronic. Maybe they've been dealing with it for a long time and it feels like every week the weight just gets more and more and more. Father, I pray today that they would receive the peace that Jesus is offering to them that will surpass all human understanding. Do that now for your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna worship together and I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come and stand down here and uh, they're gonna pray with you. If you have a need this morning, here's what I want you to do. Whether that need is a physical need or whether it's emotional, maybe it's, it's with worry, anxiety, fear, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's relational, maybe it's financial, whatever the need is, I'm going to invite you to bring that to the Lord this morning. Because, Hear me. If Jesus is offering peace, why would you leave here without receiving that today? Give it to him today, whether it's through this time with a prayer partner or whether you lift your hands in worship today and release in total trust to him everything that you have to face. I believe now God's going to give you that. Let's worship, let's believe, and let's pray together in Jesus' name.
1: our hearts to you Father. Your ways are higher and greater. We receive
0: I want you to declare something with me this morning. And for some of you, it's going to be easy. For some of you, it's going to be difficult. But it's the truth, no matter what, you got to settle in your heart. That no matter what you're facing, God is still good. So will you declare that truth and just say that with me? Say, God is good. God is good. Say it. God is good. God is good. Now lift up your praise to him like he's good to you. Amen. Give him praise in this place. Come on. Give Him praise. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So I want you to remember these three things when you wake up tomorrow. He is with me, He is for me, and He is enough. Can you say that with me? He is with me, He is for me, and He is enough. Amen. I believe that today. I want you to celebrate with me right now. Seven people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ today. Come on, give the Lord praise. Listen, if you made that decision today or over the last few weeks, we would love to help you get started or continue on the track with following Jesus Christ. At the end of service when it's over with, there'll be some folks right down here that's part of our grow team. They would love to talk with you about that. Or if you just want some information about how to get plugged in here at North, Man, they would love to talk with you. Uh, Take about two minutes, no more than that, and we'll get you some information and some next steps that you can take. Also, in both of our lobbies, um, don't forget to stop by and sign up for uh, Outreach October, the serving opportunities that are available each Saturday are just amazing, so I hope you'll be a part of that and be a part of our outreach ministry here. We are touching the lives of hundreds and thousands of people every single month through the outreaches of Mount Perry North, and that's because of you, and I I want you to be involved in that, and for some of you it'll be your first foray into that, and you'll be amazed at what God is doing uh, throughout our community. Thanks so much for being here today. Um, I've missed you, I've missed worshiping with you, I've missed preaching. I've missed all of that, but can I just tell you, this part right here is what I really miss, is the privilege God gives me to bless you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face toward you, and may He turn His face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Let's give our response. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Have a great week.